The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest today is Lynn Russo, CEO and founder of The Conscious Leader, a coaching and consulting company that is helping business leaders become more conscious and create intentional cultures to produce exceptional outcomes. Her speciality is in individual and team leadership development, serving as a trusted advisor for over 20 years now to C-suite executives. Lynn and her team of coaches work with leaders to uncover the habits and behaviors that are just getting in the way of their success. Her work enables business executives to learn new skills and practices and create new productive habits. And the Conscious Leader brand serves clients in three ways. The first is with individual coaching, secondly, with team coaching, and thirdly, with group retreats and programs. Now, in today's conversation, we discuss the importance of conscious leadership in the workplace, what it is, how it's different from what we already think and know about leadership, and why it is so important today. Lynn brings forward a unique perspective that emphasizes self-awareness and intentionality and the need for leaders to take into account multiple perspectives and build those strong, resonant connections with employees. I think it's true to say that Lynn takes a stand for the people, the humanness, which is so often forgotten in the pressure cooker of organizational life, which is why conscious leadership is her MO, as it promotes change and growth across all aspects of life, not just our careers or positional authority as leaders. And this resonates with what we talk about here in the Sacred Changemakers community, that we're all being called right now to step up and lead. And in my conversation with Lynn today, you're going to learn how, no matter who you are or what it is that you do as a profession, this is a valuable conversation that will give you so many insights. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Lynn Russo. Hey, Lynn, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation with you because uh, I know to expect the unexpected. <laughs> so, yeah, very well said. I'm very curious. Yeah. Very well yeah, said. Well, well, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I know we've known each other for a while now, but I kind of know the value of your work and I'm really excited to bring it to our Sacred Changemakers audience. And, you know, they've just heard me read out your professional bio. And as I say to all of our guests, I'd love you to just take a few moments and walk us through who is the real life human that lies behind the bio? Who is she? Mm. Mm. You know, I think it's um, I think it's telling that I became a behavioral scientist when I was 16, but I didn't really know it. 
at the time I, I realized that later in adulthood, but I, um, I was really fascinated with all the social sciences and, and business, but I didn't have a clue. What would you do with, you know, sociology, anthropology, all, all the psychology, um, and my I had I was born up in I was born in Houston, and my dad was a chemical salesman, and we moved around. And then when I was sixteen, they said we're going back to Houston, and I was devastated uh, because I had all my friends, and uh, I was going to come back into a clique, and it wasn't it wasn't something I was looking forward to. And you know, so while normal other teenage girls are running around with boys. I'm in my mother's books, you know, because she was getting a master's in counseling and I'm reading the games people play and rational motive behavioral therapy and not thinking this was weird or, you know, <laughs> unusual. Um, you know, it wasn't it actually was just a few years ago. I was telling a friend, I think I was a bit of a nerd, you know, in high school. Um, so that, that I mean, that's kind of early where it started. And then I moved into corporate and moved up, had opportunities to move up and different levels of responsibility and kept getting recognition and, and promotions. And I, I thought I was doing really well. You know, I would get stuff done. You know, I was really efficient and I thought I was effective. And one day I came out of a meeting um, and Lori, I'll never forget it. One of my best team members pulled me aside and said, Hey, I wanted to share with you something uh, that came out of that meeting. And I'm thinking it's something good. And uh, she's, let's go in your office. And so she proceeds to tell me how I um, unknowingly offended one of our top technical people in front of these consultants we had in. And uh, I, I was like, what? I, I didn't even, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm on task. I'm getting things done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, straightening things out in the meeting, you know, thinking I'm, you know, doing really good work. And she said, no, you know, we love you. You take care of us. You develop us. We love you, but we would not want to be on the other side of the table with you. And I said, why is that? And uh, she said, well, you, you've got a reputation for being a tiger that no one wants to tangle with. Wow. So that, yeah, it was like, a. I mean, I've stopped breathing. I think, you know? <laughs> like, I, I think I was sick for a couple of weeks. I mean, I was really mortified because it wasn't how, it wasn't how I saw myself and it wasn't, uh, it certainly wasn't the kind of impact I wanted to be having. So, you know, I did well with my team. I did well, uh, you know, managing up, but I like scorched the earth. Uh, <laughs> with peers and working across. And uh, so it, it really set me on a path of uh, commitment to self-discovery. And I got into therapy. I did work. I did five years working with a shaman and a community of therapists um, and counselors and coaches like me. And I took, I took landmark forum. I mean, you name it. I, I was, I started doing it all. I took workshops on how to how to identify your feelings, you know, and I would, I'd be in those workshops and I'd say, well, I feel that. And they go, oh, no, that that's a thought. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, uh, it, it was a real wake up call for, for me. Um, and I'm really grateful, eternally grateful for Lori for having the courage to pull me aside. Um, yeah. Wake, wake me up. 
Mm, I love that. And I love how it was something that in a way we might perceive to be like, you know, a critique or a negative remark that actually put you onto Mm. your path in a way. And I think that's the first Mm. time I've ever heard you articulate in a way, because Mm. now it makes sense to me in a way why Mm. you are not just like a leadership coach, but your brand is Mm -hmm. the conscious leader at the end of the day. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what do you mean by conscious leadership? Yes. So I, I think it's important to define what the difference between leadership and conscious leadership is. And and I'll add to that, like, so, you know, I think about leadership is promoting change and growth mm-hmm. and uh, polarity to manage with leadership is management. So, and management's about promoting stability. So if you over-index on leadership, you've got chaos. If you over-index on management, you have bureaucracy. And so that's a polarity. It's a tension to be managed. It's not an either or. Um, so, you know, Leadership is also about influence, like how do we influence other people in an effective way? Um, Whereas conscious leadership is really about a commitment to being intentional and a commitment to having a really high level of self-awareness and other awareness. So if I know myself, if I know how to um, articulate what I'm feeling in the moment in a, you know, in a professional, respectful way, I've got a better shot at being able to meet someone else, you know, in their, you know, what's going on for them and to be able to connect with them. But if I don't have some mastery around that, you know, it's really, that's where I was. I was just really not present with people. I was, I was efficient. You, you might say I was affected to some degree, but I was not patient and I was not present. <laughs> I, was not, I was not really paying attention to cues when I insulted the IT guy in the meeting. You know, so it, it, it really, yeah. I mean, it's a higher level of consciousness. And, and I, and I started seeing when I started on that path, there's no there, there's no end point. Like, Oh boy. Okay. This is going to be ongoing until you know i'm in the earth or whatever you know it's going to be a lifelong um journey so um yeah i just got i'm like okay i'm up for it because this other way uh I'm, it's not working and I, it's it's not fulfilling for me and i don't like the i don't like the scorched the earth impact that i'm having on people <laughs> i think that's scalable you know <laughs> You know, it's really interesting listening to you because, you know, for a lot of people, when they think about leadership, they think about like positional leadership in organizational life. Mm -hmm. But at Sacred Changemakers, you know, and you know this, one of the things we talk about is, you know, leadership doesn't have to just be something you do professionally. It's also Mm -hmm. kind of how you lead yourself, how you lead your life. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about conscious leadership, is this something that goes across the different aspects of life? Or are you just talking about uh, inside and, and like your career as a leader? Yeah, no, definitely. It's across light it's across the whole life i mean it's how i deal with the person at the grocery store or how i communicate to the uh the call-in help desk which is often not very helpful (laughs) the way it's like okay can i manage myself and and be patient with this person and understand they're doing their best and 
um, yeah, I mean, it really is across a person's whole life. I mean, and that's the way I, you know, approach our work uh, with clients is they're a whole person. Um, hmm. There was something else that, that occurred to me when you said that. Oh, so one of the things that happened for me naturally in this process was all my relationships improved. Um, my relationship with my family, my mother and my father and my sister and you know, kind of my immediate family, all my relationships improved. And I'm sure you've had this experience. It's like after doing this kind of work, I, I realized my mother is different. I'm like, oh, I think that's because I'm different. <laughs> I think you know, I'm communicating. My mother's not really interested in doing a whole lot of development work at her age. But, oh, this is really fascinating. So if I give my attention to focusing on cleaning up this side of the street, it's going to make everything better. Mm. Um, I mean, and we know it because I'm going to bring a different energetic presence, right? right. So I'm going to bring a different, a different way of, of uh, it is energy. It's a different energetic presence. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point that you're making because very often I know in my work with leaders inside of organizations, very often they can think, well, what's the point of me doing this work if nobody else is going to? Is it really right. going to make a difference? Right. So right. I think it's great that you're sharing that because it does kind of underline the fact that, you know, if we do our own work first, that's enough to create a change mm -hmm. in the way yeah. that other people perceive yeah. us and viewers communicate with us. And in effect, you know, what we can kind of get done together, especially if it's yeah. if we're working together in a team or something. So yeah. why, why do you feel that this is important? And, and why now, Lynn? Mm. Oh, why now? So that's a big question. Uh, you know, I started, I started my company in 2001 and I was uh, putting out my principles around conscious leadership and no one was talking about it. And, and I was a little nervous about that. I mean, it felt a little vulnerable. Um, but I think, uh, and so now everybody's talking about it <laughs> and there, there is a shift that's happening on the planet now around consciousness. So there's definitely a shift in consciousness. You can see it the movies is often a good uh, way to see where things are trending, you know, and coming out and more commonplace or more acceptable, I guess I would say. And, you know, post pandemic, people are searching for more meaning and more purpose. And they're looking for organizations where they feel like they're, um, they're seen, they're heard, they're valued, they're a part of it. So, uh, it's really like a priority right now. Given, I mean, the pandemic just accelerated everything that was kind of moving in that direction. Um, but since, so now leaders really, I would say, need to pay a lot more attention to the people. You know, if you think about polarities, I was put people in tasks, um, need to pay a whole lot more attention to the people side. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that our audience have heard me say over, you know, a number of different interviews, I think now, is that when we look at organizational life, or when I look at organizational life today, it it's almost like we've lost the soul of the organization. We've we've kind of lost somehow along the way, we've 
defined leadership to be almost like machine, like robotic. And, you know, here we are in the age of AI coming in and, you know, we've got these chatbots now that are starting to sound very human. It's very difficult to know, like, whether we're talking to a real life human or a chatbot. And so it it really emphasizes for me the importance of us bringing the humanity back into organizational Mm -hmm. life. But not only into business, but into work, whatever that is for people. And I just wonder, is that something that it sounds like it's something that's a key part of the work that you do, too? Yes. Well, I mean, so there's something else. So something else I was thinking about when you were saying that, again, a, a huge cultural shift or a shift that's happening is people are living longer. And uh, so usually when people get to a midlife around late 30s, early 40s, they start seeking more meaning. Mm -hmm. And so we have a larger population of children and young adults now that have grown up in this meaning making soup. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm seeing young people start businesses that address a social cause. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of back to your point around um, meaning or conscious capitalism it's like they're looking for a way to have a vocation and make a living and do something that makes a difference so that's that's in the zeitgeist you know that that's um very prevalent and i'm hearing it at all levels in an organization that i'm working with and people are leaving i mean they had a choice it's like well i don't want to work here anymore i can go (laughs) i can go somewhere else where you know there's um a, a culture that really honors the human spirit and um, recognizes that we have a head and a heart, you know, yeah. <laughs> a head, heart, and a soul. And I'm hearing leaders um, talk about um, bringing the heart back into business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, I, I read an interview with Coach Kerr, who was the coach who came in for the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, they've had like four championships in eight years. And he was not welcomed initially, but he spent a lot of time getting to know the players in advance, going and visiting them. And he talks about loving them up, (laughs) love them up and hold them accountable. I mean, like, wow. So we're starting to hear it uh, come through people. I mean, those are the indicators that I see that the consciousness is shifting. Awareness is And you actually see that evident in like organizational life, because if you've been in business since 2001, you'll have seen like, I would call it like the evolution of leadership through Mm -hmm. the different years and maybe even decades. I mean, what's your sense of how things are changing? Yeah, I think what I was, what I've seen is, you know, there's certainly more of an awareness around how command and control is not a method that works unless it's an emergency or, you know, some, something urgent. Um, that's been shifting. And then the whole thing around servant leadership, uh, you know, there was a movement around servant leadership that came in. Um, I'm seeing that uh, C- C-suite leaders like CEOs and, and people at that level, the senior executives are asking for, individual development and team development. And they're seeing that uh, it's really important for the leadership at the top to 
get along basically, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's really funny because, you know, after they go through a team development process, they'll say, you know, my team members said, they'll actually like each other. Wow. You don't know how much that means to us. So, right. so these senior level leaders are, it's so fascinating to me. It's like, yes, of course, but they're seeing how important that is. It's like, you know, sometimes I'll say, yeah, if people can see that mom and dad are okay, then they know they're going to be okay. Okay. Woof, we're going to be okay. I don't need to protect my turf. I can work, you know, all of that yeah. nonsense stuff gets in the way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, goes away. Yeah. So I don't I know can... if I answered your question. It just well, made me think about <laughs> You did, but you kind of took me back in my career to, uh, you know, when I first started out, not as a coach particularly, but as a trainer. And a lot of the conversation in teams was around the them and us, like they do this. And I know that we've talked about this before as well. Like this they, like who's the they that you're talking about kind of thing. So it kind of takes me back to that in a way, because what I believe is at the very core of organizational life is it's somehow how we've lost the sense that business is actually human it's not that we have to become more human it's that it actually is human and that's what I sense with you and the way you speak about your work at the conscious leader is it's really developing the humanness the the connection the relational side of of leadership because that's surely that's what it is Yeah, I love that. It, it's so true. It's it's remembering, remembering the hum- humanity. It's not like we have to go find it. It's a really important distinction. Um, I actually remind myself of that anytime I'm going in to work with a team, a top team that, that may be a fractured team. Yeah. Is um, I think it's important to remember that at the core, we're social beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our best self, we want to connect with other people. We, but, but we don't often, we, you're talking about we, they, them, you know, (laughs) but, but, you know, I think it's a human condition. I mean, many of us didn't grow up learning these skills in our families. Uh, So people, they don't know how. So it's um, even having compassion for that, like, okay, these are good people they're harming each other because they don't know another way to get out uh, of the friction, but they want that connection. They want that part, that human connection. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying that, it just seems so obvious in a way, like who wants to be led by anyone who hasn't got that? Yeah. (laughs) Like none of us do. And it kind of points to, I think, you know, some of the data that comes out that tells us that the reason most people leave organizations is because they don't like the leader above them. Right. Right. So that just points to how important it is. So what kind of like mistakes or do you see people making in their leadership roles where, you know, basically you can come in and, and help them to make mm. different choices, perhaps? I mean, what are, what are those mistakes? And also, what are the challenges you see leaders facing that perhaps mm-hmm. they haven't faced before? Yeah. So some of the mistakes, it's so interesting to me. I, I still see it periodically at the senior level where an executive will come in new to an organization 
uh, let's say their CFO, and they think, okay, I'm the CFO, I can tell you how to do things. And they very quickly, <laughs> they very quickly learn and they'll tell you, oh, I have to bring people along. I can't just command them. I can't just say, go do X. I've got to educate them. I've got to invite them into the conversation. I've got to know what they think. And then, you know, then we can, you know, move forward from there. That's interesting to me. I don't, I, it's less common. I'd say maybe two out of two out of eight or one fourth, you know, that might be happening, but it's, it's interesting to me that that's still going on. And, and, and actually it's the adage of what got you here won't get you there. So these are successful people that, you know, certain things work to get them to, to move up because of their technical competence. And then they get to that hot, that senior level. And uh, it's important for them to learn that's not what's going to work. Right. Like what's going to work is for you to develop inquiry skills and listening skills and being really present with people and, and bringing them along because when you do that, you have a force multiplier because now they are going to impart that, uh, you know, particularly if you're developing your team leadership, now they're going to know how to do that. And that'll have a ripple effect uh, in the organization. So that was like some, you were talking about some of the mistakes. Um, and so when I think about the challenges, the, the biggest challenge today is talent like how do you how do you attract and and retain talent so um talent development leadership development or what i'm hearing you know across you know clients that we're talking with those are some of the biggest issues they have which comes back to (laughs) it really comes back to conscious leadership like how um you know because i'll hear senior teams uh, I'll work with them on a strategy session and they'll identify key messages they want to uh, they want to bring in at the next all hands employee and they'll start uh, rattling through, you know, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to tell them. And it's in their speak. It's an executive speak. And I'll say, OK, so now you need to go visit with some of your key people and translate this <laughs> because they don't go around saying I don't feel engaged. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> they don't walk around, you know, they feel like, you know, I don't feel like my boss really cares about what I think. And when I bring him or her something, I don't get much feedback or I just get red ink all over it. I don't really feel like, but they're not walking around saying, you know, my engagement is low. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that speaks to the very heart of what it means to be human and a leader. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I often think about from the the kind of sacred change maker space is this idea that the times we're in right now, like the pace of change, you know, the technology coming in at such a fast pace, it's really hard to keep up. And then I start looking out into the world and seeing all the conflict and that we have Mm -hmm. as humans, you know, on a global scale, never mind on a like national or even an organizational Mm -hmm. scale. And all of these factors come in to make us, I mean, people talk about like the VUCA environment, things like that, but Mm -hmm. come in to almost take us off our ground. And I actually think there's something very positive about that because in a way Mm. it it like wakes us up. 
because mm -hmm. we thought we knew, I would say, what leadership was. And I oh, would yeah. say now, perhaps we don't. What would you say to that? Mm. Mm. Well, that's a big question, Jane. <laughs> I know. Perhaps <laughs> we don't know what leadership is. Well, or good leadership so, is. Yeah, let's put yeah, it that what, way. What good leadership is. Mm. Yeah, I it you know it kind of goes back to <laughs> the you know the aha moments that the senior executives are having. It's like, oh, I don't need to be the brightest light in the room. Right. I need right. to draw out their light. I mean, they may not say light, but they will say, I don't need to be the brightest, you know, smartest, you know, light in the room. But I need to learn how to bring out the best in other people, mm. and that's what they're talking about now. Wow, like how do we do that? Yeah. Like we, we need a, we need a map to know how we do that. And so, you know, of course there's different, different tools that we use in our, in our business, uh, the Enneagram being one of them, uh, because it looks at how people are motivated. So there's other right. behavior right. tools that are really good that look at behavior, but if you know how someone is motivated, mm -hmm. you, you, you can have more compassion for them. You can, you know, not be so agitated that this person is, uh, pointing out how all things could go wrong on this project. And if you're an executive that is outcome oriented, a bias for action, and you've got this person in the room that's raising questions and pointing out this, that, and the other, without an awareness of that, you could just shut that person down. Mm -hmm. But if you realize, oh, they're committed to the train getting there on time and safely. So they're pointing out all the ways the train could go off the track. I'm going to ask them some more questions because maybe there's something I haven't thought of that this person is closer to. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't, you know, I know you asked me how much has changed. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's always been important, but we're hearing it rise to the surface with a lot more awareness and a lot more consciousness than we've ever seen uh, in 20 years. Yeah. Like leaders are saying, I got to figure out how to do this. And, you know, I, I mean, I would say it to you, it's, it's simple, but not easy. Right. It's like, you know, know yourself, know your biases, know where you get triggered. So you can manage that. So you can interrupt that. Um, how to be really present with people, put the phone down. Like, you know, I have clients who, who have been very task oriented, you know, and they're realizing, oh, even if I pick up my phone while I'm talking to this person, I'm no longer present with them yeah. unless there's an emergency going on. Like, you know, they say, listen, I got to watch this. We've got a rapid alert or something we've got to pay attention to. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is extremely important um, because, you know, there's a few threads running through our conversation here. And one of them is this idea of presence. Because what mm. you're talking about here is, and this is something that I've heard a lot that leaders have said to me often, and it's it's kind of, they've said it from a place of, let's say, knowing, 
which is, you know, mm. I've got to meet my people where they are, right? They'll say, I've got to meet my people where they are. Yeah. But when it actually comes down to it, this is why I think you using the Enneagram is really important because that what we're really talking about there is is an understanding, a shared understanding. Yeah. And if if you don't yeah. know where you are, I can totally right. see how how on earth can you go about meeting somebody else where they are right. if you don't right. take the presencing, the time to actually listen (laughs) to what they're bringing to the environment and the conversation. So I think what you're speaking to here, like, again, it underlines why not just leadership is important, but conscious leadership. Yeah. And so I would kind of say that from my perspective, that feels like the future of leadership. But what does mm. it feel like to you? Because I almost feel like we're leaving an yeah. old story of leadership behind mm-hmm. that was perhaps yes. masculine and overly loaded yes. with power and expertise and certainty yes. and knowing. Yes. And right. we're headed somewhere else. But what what yeah. would you say to that, Lynn? No, I love that. You know, I'm thinking, um, right. So there's uh, knowing and there's discovery. So that right. that's a, you know, that's like different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, you know, I I uh, talk a lot about managing the polarity of relationship and task. So it's people and task. Right. And we certainly have been in a more masculine mode. And that's where I was operating. So it's not gender, it's yeah. energy, you know, yeah. and I was completely unaware you know, I, I'm in the <laughs> taskmaster, you know, the Fuhrer, you know, <laughs> that tiger. And, yeah. And, and I remember, I, I remember the moment it happened. I went, Oh my God, I have cut off my entire other half, the, right. the feminine energy. I am completely out of touch with that. And over time I began to discover that energy, I became to trust that a lot more. And it was, to me, it was more powerful because that's where intuition lives. And that's where uh, the relationship side lives. And I began to see uh, there, there was a lot more power. If I could tap into that and then access my masculine to go act from it, it I was acting from a different intelligence, if you want to call it that. Right. And so I, I, I agree with you. I think it, we've been moving in that direction. And you could say that uh, leadership is, the, is associated with the masculine mode. And we're, now if we overlay consciousness or conscious leadership, now we're bringing a blend of feminine and masculine, mm-hmm. which you need both. Yeah, I mean, no, no leader that we talk with will deny that. None, none of them. No, they'll say, yes, we need tasks. You know, we need to execute and we need to manage people. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it does. And, you know, in some ways, as you're as you're speaking, I'm, I'm kind of like breathing a sigh of relief because it's like at last this is becoming mainstream from what you're telling yeah. me now, because in 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 my history, I've I can count on both hands and probably my feet as well how many conversations I've had with leaders who are like no it's just about getting things done no it's just about the profits for the for the state shareholders no we just need to hit our goals and then we're fine and it's almost Mm -hmm. like the how we do that is kind of been lost 
to their conversation. Yeah. Whereas now yes. it because it sounds like what you're saying is it's really important that we realize we can only create like high performance through the people, mm -hmm. which means yeah. of course we've got to connect mm -hmm. well, communicate mm -hmm. well with the people. Yeah. So when you look to the future, Lynn, I mean, what do you, what do you see in terms of the future of leadership? What bubbles up for you? Mm. So my mind goes in a lot of different directions when you ask me these <laughs> these big questions. So I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna just share like what's occurring for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's so connected to my journey. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what fueled me to start, you know, the conscious leadership path and leadership method. But um oh now I lost my <laughs> <laughs> Ask me your question again. So it's a... just about what what do you notice? Or it might even be what do you hope for in okay, terms yes. of the future of leadership? Yeah. So here's where I was going with that. So um one of one of the things that I've I've studied a lot of different uh, a lot of different modalities, and I'm certified in sound healing. And I studied with Jonathan Goldman, and he's one of the world leading sound healers and recording artists. And one of the things that I experienced through that work was as we heal ourselves, we heal the planet. Mm. And if you think about uh, becoming um, a, a more effective leader or becoming a better leader or becoming a conscious leader, it's really becoming a better human. Mm. And so I chose this field of work. Um, I mean, I really, I got what I'd call a divine download came in one day in a meditation that your purpose is to shift consciousness on the planet. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> me? Really? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, how am I supposed to do that? You know? <laughs> and and I'm now 20 years later, I'm starting to see you know the significance of that. Mm -hmm. And it's not about me having some kind of world dominion or anything, but it's about go to work every day that's that's the place that most people spend a large portion of their lives so if you can shift the consciousness of leaders and you start with the leaders at the top and then you ripple that through and you work that down the organization i mean that gives me goosebumps yeah now and i've seen this i've seen the transformation happen with leaders who i've worked with over stayed with me for over 20 years and their growth and their transcendence really like how they are different people and they are impacting beyond their family into their communities and into their, you know, the nonprofit work they're doing to deal with injustice. You know, I mean, it's just, that's the ripple effect. So then, you know, over time I saw, oh, okay, now I know why I got that message. <laughs> wow. Wow. I hope everybody heard that because it was really powerful what you shared in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, what I heard there was, you know, being a good leader really starts with being a better human. And those two mm -hmm. things together actually ripple out into the world. And that's right. the change maker space that we all talk about yeah. here. So, yeah. but I, I want to ask you something really quite specific in this space, which is, do you believe that um, it's a responsibility 
of leadership to start to say, like, look outside of their own organization into their local communities and mm-hmm. become a force for good? Mm-hmm. Or do you just think it's the potential that they have? Mm, that's a that's an important distinction. Mm. I think it's a responsibility. And I think it's a responsibility because of what's going on on the planet today and um you know the seas or you know the oceans are polluted with plastic and trash and we're you're we're mucking about with the environment and you know there's different people who are saying how many years we have left on the planet um but i, I do think that's a responsibility mm. And in terms of the appetite for that conversation amongst leaders, you know, is this a conversation that you believe they're ready for? Mm, It's mixed. Right. It's mixed. I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing a lot more receptivity to it. Uh, You know, just, yeah, I'm just thinking about different conversations that I've had. There's more receptivity to it. You know, there's social responsibility, but you, you know what you're talking about is is broader than like the corporate social responsibility. It's really looking at how do we improve things you know, on the planet. <laughs> you yes. know, not just corporate responsibility. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I know there's a lot of like, like you say, I I agree with you. I think it's very mixed out there. But what's really heartening Mm -hmm. is you speaking about like your clients and and those that you've worked with for a long time and and how that's kind of organically grown into some of that community. So could you give an some example and maybe it's somebody you've worked with I don't know maybe it's a team but just something to kind of inspire our listeners that you know a real life story of something Mm. that has actually happens because then they'll get a sense of the benefits of of becoming more conscious in their leadership yeah so let me think about how to um there was a leader I uh worked with a few years ago or 20 years ago for a few years. And when I began my work with him, uh, he, he was telling me a story about how someone gave him a card that had a, a picture of a heart. And he said, you know, I wanted to give you this card. And the executive said, wow, thank you. And the person said, no, because you don't have one. <laughs> you need one. And he was like, what? Yes. So, um, and, and, you know, that's sort of like my wake up call. I mean, this is a very gifted leader. He cared about people. He cared about probably more focused on uh, challenges and getting things done really good at vision strategy and execution and the people side uh, just, he wasn't as present to his impact Mm -hmm. and, you know, walking him through, working through different method, our methodology and different tools he started becoming uh, much more aware. And there was one point in our work together, he came to me and he said, you know what, I had, I had a talk really well constructed for an all hands meeting. And I realized in the moment, I really needed to connect with people in the room. And I just set the talk, I set my notes down and said, I'm just going to speak to you from the heart. And that was a big deal for him to, you know, to, say something like that. It was, it was kind of vulnerable for him. Uh, and he went on to do 
all kinds of things. I mean, he, he said to me, I would have never done all these things that I've done. Like he started a nonprofit uh, to deal with, you know, some, some challenges and issues around injustice. And he's worked with different nonprofits. He's brought that into his organization to give people an opportunity to um, help refugees who, you know, need to develop so they can be prepared to have jobs. So he, you know, he, he's just really widened his um what he gets involved in and the impact that he has and he uh, he is one of the most revered and respected and even loved uh leader because people have said through work i mean all down at levels of the organization by being you know in his organization or exposure to him they become better people and then they share their stories about how they're different with their families or in their lives. So I don't know if that gives you enough of a... It does, because it really mm-hmm. speaks to that heart space you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like, you know, and I'm not suggesting that leaders that are type A and, you know, masculine or whatever, don't care. I think they do. Right. I think do. sometimes yeah. it's just easy under the pressure cooker of organizational life to forget that they need to show <laughs> that they care. Yeah. And so what you're speaking yeah. to there is someone who's really brought that to the forefront. And then it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's almost like he carved a path that was a very different trajectory maybe it than was. he thought yeah. he he might have gone on, which is really inspiring yeah. in many ways. Because I do believe business is a force for mm-hmm. good and can be a force for good. And it's probably the biggest lever for change that we have mm-hmm. in our world yeah. right now. And so I totally agree with you in terms of, I believe it's a responsibility for leaders to actually think about yeah. and strategize around even, you know, the, the different ways that they can do business mm-hmm. in ways that, you know, people not only inside the organization know that they care, but people outside mm-hmm. too. Because surely that's what leadership is all about, isn't Mm -hmm. it? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm thinking when you were saying that, that it's it's really interesting. There's a a common, I don't know, belief uh, that I see with a lot of senior level executives um, that they're they're not aware that other people are interested in them as people. Right. Oh, I didn't know they'd want to know that I vacation in Michigan or whatever, you know, I didn't know that would matter to them. Well, yeah, because they want to, they want to see you as a human. So they, they want to know, like, they want to know, like, and they're going to follow people they know, like, and trust. I mean, that's kind of the the marketing adage, but people work for people. They don't work for a, a thing or, you know, an organization is made up of people. So they want to know who those individuals are. You know, and this gentleman that I was talking about, it's really funny because sometimes today I I still work with him and he'll say, darn it, Lynn, I have a heart and I care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know why it's darn it, Lynn, you know, and he realizes the importance of doing team development and bringing team together. I mean, I think a lot of these folks that are at the top are very outcome oriented. And as they, as they learn, like, okay, just take a beat, you know, bring your team together, do this. And then they see it's an accelerant. It's like, oh, 
that was time well spent because now that's like a force multiplier. That's an accelerant. Everything goes faster, smoother, easier, but it's hard for them. It's, you know, to inter interrupt the action mode to say, okay, let's take a time out here to see how we're going to build the team and how we're going to tie that into the business. And I, I know that there's a lot of leaders that think that if they kind of get off the hamster wheel for a minute, <laughs> you know, and they come yeah. out of action, that there's no time for being in the being space yeah. at all. They've got yeah. to just keep on, keep on, because after all, isn't that what they're being paid for? So what, yeah, what do right. you say to clients that kind of come up with these kinds of objections to to conscious leadership? You know, what, what are the benefits of them doing it? And is it really going to hit the bottom line in the way they fear it will, <laughs> right? We fear it will. Hmm. Well, yeah, so we're, um, we actually ask for clients to tell us, you know, we, we look at where they started and where they evolved. So um, we can share some of those anecdotal stories with prospective clients or leaders that are looking at doing this kind of work. But it's, um, you know, sometimes you have to do a, a bit of individual work with someone for them to see the process. Yeah. So they start yeah. to have an ex a firsthand experience of it. And I'm a real big believer in small steps taken consistently over time lead to big changes and, you know, big transformation and results. And so, I mean, that's the way we've worked it is, well, let, let's do this. Let, let's do this piece of work and and we give them practices, like go run some experiments. You don't need to get married to the idea, just date it for a little bit, you know, go you know, and try it out and see what happens. And they always come back and say, it was like magic. What do I do now? <laughs> and so you just keep building on that. And then they have some confidence in, okay, there's something here. There's something here uh, that I think we need to look, look and see how we do this on a collective level. Because it really is about, if you want to shift the, the culture, it really is about individual development, particularly at the top team, uh, you know, the, the, those top levels, individual and collective teamwork. That's the power. Mm. And when they start seeing that, then, then they're believers. Then they go, oh, okay, there's something to this. Okay, next time we want to take this to the next level and let's bring in, you know, an issue that we're working on so that while we're working on this issue, we're practicing, you know, being, you know, courageous authenticity. Right. Let's do that. So they start to see the possibilities of how they can build uh, on these skills to take their business to the next level. Yeah. And that just sounds so powerful in the way that you talk about just taking them on a journey in a way yeah. it sounded to me like taking them on a journey into their own potential into their own sense of presence mm -hmm. and awareness mm -hmm. and understanding yes. so if yes. we've got if we've got any listeners that are listening to this and maybe they are leaders in organizations I mean what are the first steps to becoming more conscious in their leadership is there anything you can share that can help point them in that direction well um, the first step is to really know yourself. So it, it starts with know yourself and we use different tools around that. I mean, to, to me, it helps to have a map 
uh, like I mentioned, the Enneagram. There's other tools out there that that are helpful around. You now Myers-Briggs has been around for a long time, but it's it's first um, take stock, take inventory of who you are. And most people underestimate their strengths. Mm. You know, it's like the fish swimming in water doesn't think about the water. And so really take a look at what are your signature strengths that you have seen through over the years, there's a consistent thread uh, that you bring to the table and how that impacts other people and how that impacts the business. And then what are the one or two pet peeves, like the most common triggers, uh, things that really just you know, <laughs> throw you off. And and um, and what can you do to, like, what's something you can do to interrupt that uh, when, when you know you're going to get triggered? Because when any of us, you know, run into something like that for ourselves, we're in our limbic brain. We're not in our, you know, we're not here. We can't get to our uh, you know, a prefrontal cortex and a neocortex for our rational brain. You just can't get there. And um, so we use, we teach people different practices of how to uh, identify that so you can get to your rational brain. But, I, you know, I mean, those were some, I mean, that's a big question that you're asking. <laughs> I and, uh, but I, I would say start with know yourself and then start to notice, notice what you appreciate about other people that may that may be different than you and look for, look for the value of that, particularly the people that annoy you and see, you know, what might I be missing here that this person does differently than me? And, and then how do I bring out the best in them? So you can do those things, like know yourself and start to, you know, identify how do I bring out the best in other people that in and of itself um, starts to shift things mm. and I can see how if you can actually do those two things it's almost like a slow down a little bit and oh, yeah. like take a pause so that you're actually looking at you know not just yourself but the other person and, and getting that understanding of what's really going mm. on here not just what you think mm. is going on but yeah. other aspects of what are going on so I can see how that's really mm. valuable Okay, Lynn, well, I can see the time here. So I'm going to ask you a final question. And it's just simply this, you know, if there's something that you would have liked to have shared with our audience today, maybe it's a few words of wisdom that you want to leave behind for them. You know, what might it be? I mean, I think the main thing we've been talking about here is uh, people, so in thinking about the people and task polarity is to give more attention to people and the, the intra and interpersonal, like with yourself and with others, mm. um, but give that as much or maybe a little bit more than the task and see what happens. Run an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Run an experiment and just notice what happens. Uh, so that would that's what I would say. Yeah, thank you. Lynn, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I know that our audience will just, we've got a lot of leaders in the audience. So I know they will just have got so many insights from what you shared. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, it was my pleasure. 
Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to the members of the Soul Business Academy who are our podcast sponsors and also our extended community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Lots of love.